Jordan Harbinger is a Wall Street lawyer turned podcast interviewer with an approachable style and knack for securing high-profile guests. His podcast, The Jordan Harbinger Show, was selected as part of Apple's Best of 2018. This week's show is a rerun from a conversation I was humbled to have had with Jordan back in 2021. You see, hailing from Michigan, Jordan was an inquisitive kid who was fascinated by the internet at an early age. He went to law school at the University of Michigan and landed a job on Wall Street as a corporate lawyer. Jordan wasn't interested in climbing the corporate ladder, though, but he was curious about a partner who was never in the office. Dave spent his days at charity events and playing racquetball. How did he keep his job? Dave told Jordan that he brought in business for the firm. To do this, he didn't sit at his desk. He spent his time building and managing personal relationships. While hard work and intelligence were traits traditionally heralded as crucial for paving the way to success, Jordan felt like he was learning a secret third path that nobody ever talked about. This kicked off an obsession with body language and nonverbal communication, persuasion, influence, social psychology, and networking. When Jordan started uploading what he learned to the web, he inadvertently became one of the first podcasters. So today, from Fragile Moments and Not Today Media. I'm your host, JD, and this is story number 58 of the What's Your Story podcast, Harbinger. First and foremost, you know, congratulations for being a father. That's, Thank you. That's, that's the first thing that, that came when I, when I wanted to have this conversation with you, because it was, it's something that, I mean, has only just in 14 months become part of my, my role, but, uh, you know, it, it just, it's nice to see and somebody that as busy as you, as, you know, as important when it comes to the conversations that you have that, you know, you make that apparent for people too, because I feel like a lot of times you know, that's like another world for, for some people, you know, it's, and I get that, you know, the personality, but you know, how, how does it, how does it work for you? Cause I've heard you mention as far as, you know, prioritizing and deprioritizing and when it comes to people's mental health and parenting, I I feel like that's, that's a point that's never well-made, but how is that going for you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is sort of tough because you know, everyone will be like, Oh, I prioritize my family first. And I'm like, do you really though? You know, like I hear that a lot, but then I'm like, well, okay. Didn't I just have a call while you were at the park with your kids? And they're like, Oh yeah, hold on. So, so, so I'll be right there. I'll be right there. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I don't really know, you know, if that, I don't really know if, if you do prioritize your family yeah. first, like you pay attention to your kids, you spend time with your kids, but First, first, like I, you know, when I'm with my son, my son's two. So sometimes he's just like watching a train go round and round. And I try not to be like, I'm on Instagram. I mean, other, t- look, if he's watching the iPad and he's watching Blippy, I'm not going to like sit there and watch Blippy <laughs> and pay attention to the same thing. I'm going to be on my phone, but, uh, you know, messing around or answering email. But I don't like the idea of sort of deluding myself into thinking that I'm paying attention <laughs> to my kids when. Yeah. I think a lot of people are are not as and I, I don't think they're doing it because they're like oh I'm gonna put on a a 
a face for the world. I think they really do think that they're prioritizing their family because maybe when they grew up, they went on zero vacations a year and now they go on one and they're like, I'm prioritizing my family. Or another thing I've seen is I'm prioritizing my family. We went VIP to Disney World for 10 days and it was awesome. And I'm like, well, is that, what about the other 355 days (laughs) of the year? You know, like, are you around for those? And I just try and be cognizant of the fact that like the junk time that your kids hang out with you in the morning before school or like when you're putting on their socks or like at night when you're drying them off after the bath and like, (laughs) you know, filling their bottle with milk, like that's probably more valuable than uh, added up over the course of the year than going to Disneyland VIP where the whole thing is a blur, but dad was there, but like also they're super excited. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't make up for inattention in small in the small time, like the, the during the junk time during the week during the day. You can't make up for that by like buying them a sweet car when they're sixteen. Right? You know, it doesn't work. Today, the Jordan Harbinger Show has over ten million downloads per month and features a wide array of guests like Kobe Bryant, Moby, Dennis Rodman, Tony Hawk, Caesar Milan, Eric Schmidt, and Neil deGrasse Tyson, just to name a few. Jordan continues to teach his skills for free at 6-Minute Networking. In addition to hosting the Jordan Harbinger Show, Jordan is a consultant for law enforcement, military, and security companies, and is a member of the New York State Bar Association and the Northern California chapter of the Society of Professional Journalists. But enough of me telling the story. Let's hear Jordan tell his own story. And it, I mean, and, and, and you're right. I mean, there's, there's so many conversations, so many times, right? You see people like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm out here and I'm spending time, but you know, it's at a, you know, a, a restaurant and everybody's faces are in phones or, mm-hmm. you know, that's their only vision of what prioritizing means. And I, I mean, I, I'm right there with you that it, it's those little moments that they'll remember the next day, you know, and then, then they, you know, especially when they're little like that, then that's the only message that they have. They could care less about Disney world. You yeah. Know, they, rem- they remember that, you wake up with them and they, they, you know, you're the face that they saw first, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I think that's, we forget to, we forget to shut down. And I mean, I, you, I mean, you can tell me, is that, is that a challenge, you know, for you? Is that something you're still trying to learn or do you have this system of, um, I don't even, I don't even know if the word balance exists anymore in the definition of, or the dictionary, yeah. but <laughs> I, you I have wouldn't a- say, no, I'm, I'm not that great at it yet. I mean, there's still times when Jen's like, hey, you're, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, you guys are watching cartoons. Like, I can't be on my phone. And she's like, no, you should, you know, go and do something more with him or like play with him. Or I'll be like a call will run long. And I'm like, oh, I can't, you know, send him off to school. And she's like, okay, whatever. I'll just put him in the car. So I don't get it right every time. But I, I think being aware of it is more important, especially at this phase. Because again, he's two. So any sort of stuff that I do right now is is more for me than it is. He's not remembering any of this. So sure. I'm trying I'm not getting huge things wrong, like mistreating his feelings when he's a teenager or something like that. You know, I'm not doing that. But now's the time to build the habit of like really engaging with your kids. So I, I do I, I'm I'm still sort of in the first two years of learning how to balance this. And with a new sure. baby on the way in in about say, 10 yeah. days, then it's gonna be even more work and, and really hard. And what I have done has been like, I'm just not going to work on weekends where I used to just work in the morning and then work a little bit in the afternoon or work only on Sunday. And now I'm like, you know, I got to really hold this time free because this is the time when like 
my kids want to go to the zoo and I can't be like, oh, I got to get home at one so I can record commercials. You know, like it just sort of screws <laughs> up the whole day. And, and I'm not able to be as present when I know I have an hour of work to do it sometime this afternoon. It's like, sure. well, okay, it's 9 a.m. Put it out of your mind. Well, I can't really. I can't. You know? That's right. It's like, I can't really do it. So if I just say it's not getting done until Monday or it's not getting done until after the kids go to bed, which is like 9 p.m., then it doesn't matter if I'm, I don't have to check my watch. I don't have alarms. You know, that's, that's really important because I, I'm, I don't have any, I don't have any science behind this, but I don't really need to be a scientist to know that if daddy's checking his watch or checking his phone or seems a little anxious, they're picking up on that at some level, even if they're, even if they're not like, Oh, dad has something he's worried about doing for work. They're not even thinking about that. They're like, Oh, my dad is like, he doesn't want to be here, right? He doesn't now. want to be here, right? Yeah. So that's do, weird, you know? Do you, do you think in this this culture of like, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, like a badge of honor to work 24-7 that we've somehow, oh. you know, yeah. either lost the ability to uh, to balance that or or find the, okay, this doesn't matter right now, this does. Or or where, where do you think we got lost with that? Yeah, there's there's like hustle porn, which has invaded our culture. There's also the idea that being busy means you're important. And that that's always been sort of a thing that I took even from Wall Street when I worked on Wall Street. You know, that was a that was a really sort of crazy hour job. You know, you'd be working six or seven days a week. You'd be in the office at 11 p.m. on a Sunday waiting for a fax for like five hours. And you're billing that time. So you're like, I'm making so much I'm money, which is good when you're 27. But if you're 47 and you've got your wife and kids waiting for you, that su that sucks. You know, oh, you're right. trading you're trading your relationship with your family and your friends for money when you already have a lot of money, and that's pretty, it's a pretty bad trade. And yeah. so, you know, taking that culture and putting it into entrepreneurship or your own business where everyone works like that because it's your own business and you feel like you have to, and if you're a successful business owner, the first five, 10, whatever years were spent hustling super hard to get to stable in the first place. So it's hard to sort of go, okay, now I'm stable. I'm going to dial it back a couple notches. That's right. really, really tough to do. And most people can't do that. And it took me just like it took a lot of people a lot of time to be able to work from home. It took me a long time to be like, oh, I work really hard so that I don't have to skip swim lessons on Sunday. I work really hard so that I can stay an extra day up at auntie's cabin because i'm just going to cancel everything tomorrow and you think like no i've got to be like no on it i gotta have inbox zero and it's like no i've got to have i gotta watch home alone with my kids you know on dvd <laughs> that's what i gotta do and it's hard to do that because you don't feel productive you know and if you're like a productive if you're like an addict to that like most entrepreneurs are then it feels weird to relax and you almost feel like you shouldn't do it shouldn't yeah. but but you know if if it's hard for you which it is for me to relax I would recommend not thinking of it as relaxing, which is bad for you really in the long run, but in the short term, it'll get you to do it. You know, you think like, sure. no, your job right now is to like play with Duplo Legos. That's your job right now. You have to get this train with elephant heads and giraffes <laughs> on it built ASAP, you know, with your kid. And he, you have to maximize the amount of fun that he has while doing it. And That's here's, your here's job your, now. Here's your deadline. That's a good way yeah. of looking at it. And I think, <laughs> you know, a lot of people, you know, it's probably where they get it wrong is that you're trying so hard to fit the routine, the the priorities, everything into this new new role. And some ways it might work, but you might not be able to sit down at nine o'clock with that cup of yeah. tea like you always did anymore. And then for some people that's 
you know, it makes you scramble and, it, and panic, you know, it does. Yeah. It adds anxiety. And the other thing that, that sort of is a problem, like for us just personally, the, the problem is my kid goes to bed really late and sleeps really late, which is fine. Kids have different sleep schedules, but there's a lot of like parents that are like, my kid goes to bed at six 30 or seven. And we're like, dude, try 10 30. And people are like, that's horrible. And I'm like, well, he sleeps till nine and your and kid gets up at five. So I don't know what you're talking, you know? So, <laughs> and it's just the way that he is. He's always been like that ever since he was even like, six months old he just went to bed really late and got up really late and that's just how he's been it's his natural sleep cycle right. he does it at, he does it at our house he does it at his grandma's house he does it at his aunt's house it's not just us you know so but my friends are all like so when are you doing all of the things that you normally do after 7 p.m when your kid goes to bed and i'm like yeah like in the morning you know morning. or or i maybe i can't be around for the last hour of his being awake you know like yeah maybe jen is my wife so we have to split things up a little differently because we have less free time than even most most parents just because of my kid's sleep schedule. So I started getting up like early as hell and being like, okay, I'm going to work now. Everyone's asleep. But you have to figure that out and you have to rearrange your life because the yeah. last you can't ask your two-year-old to be like, look, man, you got to go to bed earlier <laughs> so I get more free time, okay? It's not going to work. So it's something I'm constantly figuring out, but also realizing that the entire point of having a business is to generate lifestyle around it. And you know, you're not really any better off than somebody who's employed by someone else if you are working a schedule that doesn't fit you. Yeah. You know, it might look like you're doing really well because you're like, oh, I made a bunch of money last year and I can go to Disneyland VIP. But if you can't take the morning off to take your kid to school because he's upset or just tell him not, you know, you don't have to go to school today. We'll do something else. Like you have to, you have to build flexibility. And so the next few years of my life are, aside from scaling my show so that I can work less, it's basically scaling my show so I can work less. So my wife's like, why are you trying to double your income? And I'm like, because then I can work half as much, but then make the same as we are now. And she's like, oh, okay, I hadn't thought. Oh. Of you know what I mean? <laughs> because I would love to be able to work really hard and make twice as much, but then when I don't want to work, I can turn the faucet down. And it's like, we're not trying to decide if we could afford <laughs> to pay our mortgage, right? It's like. I could I could work really like a band a banshee the next couple of years, and then I can dial it back as much as I want. And if my kids once my kids are like in high school or middle school and they want to go and travel and do things, I can be like, all right, let's plan so that we take three months off this year. You know, yeah. when my kids have summer vacations, my plan ideally is to just also be on summer vacation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't mean I won't do anything, but maybe I'll read a bunch and study a bunch or do something else, but I'm going to spend time with my kids. When I was a kid, I had summer vacation and I was like watching a lot of TV and riding bikes with my friends and stuff like that, but I was my parents were still working. What should have happened is I should have been going and doing things with my parents who took time off, but they couldn't do that. So I was like, all right, my plan is to be, you know, if my kids are like, oh, what are we going to do for two and a half months? I'm like, we're going to go to Africa you know, yeah. for two months. And we're going to learn all about animals and I'm going to be there with you, not like in a hotel room answering email. <laughs> and you've kind of built that, right? I mean, that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's the beauty of what, what you do. I mean, you know, aside from the conversations that you have in the, on, on the show, you know, the, I think the thing that fascinates me the most is, is your, your passion for networking and not even mm -hmm. just, not even just network is like, oh, I can use that person. It's, it's the conversation. And I, I mean, for anybody who's not taken your, your free six minute networking course, mm -hmm. uh, 
I mean, you'd be, you'd be foolish not to. I, I mean, because the, the the only thing I kept thinking to myself was, this is how people t- should be talking to each yes. other. And I, so I, I mean, I kept going back like every every lesson, every topic was just where did we go wrong? Where did we mm-hmm. where did we lose that? It be, that it became such a even things like this. You know, you feel so scripted and so into a box. Where where did you see the need, and where did we? Where did we trip up, I guess, and, and forget that it's just a human-to-human conversation? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I think the the what the reason... Well, first of all, most people don't like networking, right? They hate no, it. Right. They, th- they think it seems slimy. And one of the reasons <clears throat> that they think it seems slimy is it's invisible unless it's done poorly. So it's like sales. You know, people go, oh, I don't want to be salesy. And it's like, well, what do you mean? Have you never bought anything? in person oh no well that guy wasn't salesy no he was salesy but what you're doing is redefining the word sales to mean uncomfortable pressure when that's not what real that's not what sales really is like it's like you if you if you went to a car dealership and someone said yeah take your time look around if there's anything i can show you let me know what are you looking for newer sedan they're all over here why don't you go take a look? I can show you some models or you can do it on your own. Oh, I'd rather do it on my own. Okay, great. I'm going to go in here and I'm going to get some coffee. I'll bring you out. You, I'll bring you out a cup and I'll meet you in like 10 or 15 minutes. Is that okay? Yeah, that's great. You're not like, this guy's a bastard. But if some guy's like, oh, I got to get you into this beauty. One day left in the sale. Got to buy it right now. I'll throw right. in floor mats. You're like, oh, I don't like sales. No, you don't like bad sales you that are like. done in a way that's clumsy and pressuring. So when people think about networking, they're they're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't like networking. It's gross. And it's like, no, you don't like it when somebody walks up to you and is like, hey, here's a business card. Invest in my financial management plan because I'm broke and I got a financial planner job last week online and I have to get $100,000 in investment this year or I get fired. Like, you don't like those people. But nobody, nobody, when I'm at a conference and I go out to lunch with somebody and there's another person there and I get their number and we keep in touch for three years. They're not like, Ugh, that's, that's gross. I don't like this Jordan guy. This is terrible. We became friends. Why is he talking no. to me? <laughs> yeah. It's invisible because it's normal and it's done well. And so yeah. networking is like, for me, it's helping other people get what they want, keeping in touch with people over a long time, not trying to get something from people, not trying to keep score in the relationship helping them get introduced to other people that might be able to help them with their goals and aspirations. The end, you know, it's not get a bunch of Rolodex stuff together so I can add them to my newsletter. Like, you know, those people where they get your info and then you're like, how am I on this guy's newsletter now? It's happening more and more recently than I've ever. And I'm just like, yeah, what? Like, yeah, I'm on your mailing list. (laughs) What? I just met you at freaking, you know, Starbucks with three other people and you got my card and now I'm on your email list. Like I'll reply to those people and go, you should not be doing this. And they're like, uh, oops, sorry, my assistant did that. And I'm like, yeah, your you assistant did one. that. Well, yeah, one, you don't have an assistant, <laughs> but two, even if you did, my assistant doesn't just find random business cards in my wallet. Right. And go, oh, you know what? This guy's, this is going into MailChimp right now. This might right. be somebody that we need to spam. That's not what my assistant he's does. Gonna, he's going to want a 10 X of growth today. Yeah, for sure. You know, this guy <laughs> needs coffee mugs and t-shirts. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff. So, So I just, I don't believe that. And I think people look at networking, they don't want to do the long game. They don't want to dig the well before they get thirsty, which is what I usually say. Like in the course, they say dig the well before you get thirsty. They don't want to do that because it's a lot of work. I mean, a lot of objections that I get from from usually young folks is they go, well, I'll start networking later because I don't need anything right now. And I'm like, imagine if you said to your friend who's physically fit, you don't want to go to the gym right now because you don't need a six pack until spring break. Do you think that makes sense? 
right? So like, this is the same thing with Wait. networking. Like these people who think that they don't need anything right now, I'm like, oh, so you're only going to quote unquote network when other people are supposed to give you something. How effective do you think that's going to be? Yeah, so that's that's where I kind of go like, okay, this person needs a lesson in it. And, and that sort of explains why people don't do this too, because they, they go, well, I don't need anything right now. So it, it's like not getting a job until you need money. That's not what successful people do. They don't yeah, go, no. oh, I need money later, so I should get a job later. Good luck with that, right? So yeah, good luck with that. So what these folks are doing is they're not taking the well before they get thirsty. They're, they, they don't want to do the, they don't want to do any of that sort of legwork. So they just don't network until they need something. That's when you get those emails that are like, oh man, hey dude, it's been a long time since high school. What's going on? And you're like, nothing, man. Good to hear from you. And they're like, Hey, do you want to talk about this business opportunity where you can passively make $10,000 a month selling protein shakes? And you're like, what? Oh, okay. I knew that you were going to, you know, do this. So no, I saw that coming. Yeah. I saw this coming, (laughs) but if, or, or more benignly, Hey man, I haven't heard from you in a long time. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You seem to be doing really well. Yeah. Thanks for the well wishes. Hey, Jordan, are you hiring? I could really use a job. Well, it was nice catching up with you, but no. But if somebody that I've been talking to for three years, every six months or even once a year was like, Hey, I hate to ask. I just lost my job. I've got a kid. Do you have any idea where I can get hired for these things? I would help that person because they're a connection of mine. So you have to dig the well before you get thirsty because otherwise you're not going to get any sympathy from almost anybody that you talk to when you do need something. And you're going to be very surprised by that. And you, so you have to be willing to do the legwork. And the thing is, people think that it's hard and takes a lot of time, but it really doesn't. It doesn't. It takes way more time and frustration and energy to try and build relationships, so to speak, when you need them or after you need them. And your level of success is going to be very low versus just keeping in touch with a few dozen or a few hundred people using systems that take five, 10 minutes a day. And then you'll have a ton of opportunity laid out for you. It's, it's, It's easier, but people don't want to plan ahead because they're lazy. They don't see the benefit in it for them and they're short term thinkers. But those people typically aren't very successful either. We'll be right back. This podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year, I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. What is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now, like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships, or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's better com slash fragile moments. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. And now back to Jordan's story. 
whether and 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 especially not in the long run either, right? I mean, they they think they are at yeah. the moment, but not in the long run. But yeah, it, it says something when I can reach out to like Mark Cuban or Ray Dalio and get a response, but I reach out to some like schmucky internet marketer that emailed me about something three months ago and i have to follow up four times and i'm like you are not you going not to be good attention. at this yeah. yeah and you can hear that in your conversations i mean it doesn't matter doesn't matter who you're talking to whether you know and you know that you've run the gamut uh, in my opinion you know as far as stories go and mm-hmm. and conversations you can hear that just what you said, you know, that it's, it's a level of humanness and, and, mm-hmm. and compassion really, you know, cause I mean, it's, and it's probably hard, I'm sure to, to, to keep that ground level there when, you know, from, I mean, you've got what, you know, conversations from people like Deerdex and Logics to, you know, Newports and Grants, but then you've got your off the wall, you know, Billy McFarlane's and, and Moles mm-hmm. that, but you, st- you, yet you still manage to keep that conversation the same, the same story, the same level of I'm here because there's a story there. Is that, is that challenging day to day, you know, been back and forth conversations of all over the place? Or do you go home and go, great, I just earned a new perspective on an area of life that I never, it never had. Because I feel like some people walk away from interviews like you have and go, check, got that person. And they forgot that it was like, there's a a larger story that I missed because I wasn't just talking to them. Can you clarify that question? I'm yeah, not sure what I, I you're mean, asking me. Just just the amount of you know stories that you tell from different different guests and you know from varying perspectives, you know, from different industries and different lifestyles, mm-hmm. you you manage to still keep the same same level of human conversation, the same, you know, desire to hear that story. Is that mm-hmm. hard to to keep that depending on the person you're talking to, mm-hmm. or do you go home and go, I just gained a new life perspective on yeah. a, an area I never experienced. It depends. I mean, there's some people that I'm definitely more interested in than others, but since I spend like 10 hours or so preparing for each guest, it's hard to not get interested in somebody because you just know so much about them at that point. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a guest here and there where I'm like, I got to fake my way through this because this guy's actually not really my cup of tea, but whatever. I've already prepped it. and It's booked and it's, you know, a favor to somebody else, whatever. Those are rare. But I would say like a lot of times they'll be like, you should have this sports guy on. And I just don't care about sports. But I'm like, I can find something interesting about Dwayne Wade. You know, he's he's a legend in his own right. There's going to be something there that's more of a human angle. So it's easy for me to keep that curiosity. The other thing is realizing that a lot of these celebrities are like just it sounds so cliche, but they're just people like anyone else. They have their own stories. So, you know, it's easy to do that. I don't get starstruck because I also don't care about celebrities. That's very helpful, actually very helpful trait in an interviewer because people go, oh my God, you were with Kobe. How amazing was it? And I was like, it was kind of like any other interview. Only my cameraman was an idiot that day and I had to fire him. So it was a little stress. You know what I mean? Like, like there's, there's stuff There's like, that. Like, oh my God, <laughs> you were like five feet away from Kobe Bryant, the legend. And I'm like, I've literally never seen him play basketball. <laughs> like, or maybe like twice, you know, in my life, I've seen yeah. him play basketball. So I don't care. And uh, the other thing is, and a lot of interviewers do this wrong. And I, I don't know if this is sort of of general interest, but, but a lot of interviewers especially do this. And you'll see this when you watch like influencer YouTubers and stuff do interviews. They want to become friends with the guest. And I am just very grounded in the fact that nobody's going to freaking call me after the interview and be like, let's hang out, bro. I have a family. They have a family. And that's it. I, I have become friends with many guests. But 
not because I went into the interview being like, I'm going to be Molly Bloom's best friend after this. You know, I'm going to be Dwayne Wade's homeboy after this. Like, no, that's oh. unlikely to happen. They're more likely to respect a really good interview sure. and then want to see that again and do that again when they have another project to promote. That's how you get these people's respect, not by being like a really cool dude on <laughs> camera. They do tons of media. They don't give a crap. They don't and you care, shouldn't right? either. Right. So a lot of these guys spend a ton of time ingratiating themselves with the guest. And it's it's embarrassing, but it also leads to a crap interview, because if I have to be like, hey, this thing you did that turned out to get you a lot of negative attention. How did you recover from that? If I'm trying to be friends with that person, I'm like, ooh, sweep that under the rug and don't talk about it because it'll make them feel bad. And they, they don't like being held to account. So let's just ignore it. And it's like, it's not good journalism. Yeah. You know, so, and you see this all the time in these like Instagrammers that have, or YouTubers that have interview shows. All they're doing is trying to become friends all with the guests. Right. And it's really irritating and, and makes for shit, makes for shit content. Candidly. Yeah. And you can, I mean, you're right. I mean, you can, you can absolutely hear it. And I mean, it's, it's scary again to, to hear those things because it goes right back to what we were talking about that. Yeah. It's a human conversation. I mean, I yeah, mean, you can I'm, be a fan of someone without fawning over them. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can be really interested in an author or a personality on the show and be like, you're really impressive. This is really impressive without being like, oh my God, <laughs> sign my boobs. You know, <laughs> I don't have to do that. And there's, it's not that fine of a line. I don't know why people have such trouble with it, but I think if you, if you gain, maybe there's a deeper sort of thing here. If you gain status in your own mind by being cool or relevant or having famous friends, then this is an attractive business for you, but it's going to poison you. Yeah. Or you're going to poison yourself. For me, this never started off that way. I wasn't like, let me get close to celebrities so I look famous. Yeah. I don't care. I have kids. I'm not, no, they're never going to think I'm cool. I've given up. You know, like they're two years old. I've got a few years before they're like, wait, you're a dipshit. You and, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what every dad is going through. And it's funny because I know all these like, I do know a bunch of these like super successful, sometimes even famous dads. And I'm like, do your kids still think you're cool? And they're like, no way, man. Of course not. Like even Dwayne Wade's kids are like, yeah, my favorite basketball player is LeBron James. You know, so like you're never going to be that never, cool. Right. So stop trying to impress strangers on the Internet. You know, like the people that matter live in your own house. Right and you should just give you. up. They're right in front of you and just give up. They're not going to think you're cool until they're like 25. Okay. <laughs> From from fifteen to twenty five, you're a dork. Just get get it get it under your you know get it in your head. So stop trying to impress Malcolm Gladwell. He's not going to invite you to Thanksgiving. He's it's not. over, and he'll forget he'll forget you as soon as the conversation's the done. Even if it was the over. best conversation, we all exactly. have exactly our exactly. own lives. <laughs> yeah. So the best thing you can do is just do a good job for your audience because those are the people that matter when you're That's creating. Exactly something. right. So the last thing I want to wrap up with you know, just talk about your own you know personal story and and the things you enjoy and, and that's truly what fascinates me about people is is your travel and and not just not just travel in general it's just the the travel that you do uh, you know and it, i i haven't heard you mention it in in all the things i've read and listened to but i'm sure you've got personal travel to do with your family that may or may not be different but can you tell can you tell me or talk about first of all what what travel means to you like is it, did it start off as something that like i just want to see the world no, it started off as escapism because I was like, oh, if I leave this town, maybe my life will get better. And it's like, damn it, everywhere I go, there I am, right? <laughs> All my problems followed me there. But I started when I was young. So it's like, you know, you're in high school and you're bored and you're like, if I go to this other country, everything will be great. 
and it's not. And then you got to make your own life there. And then that's great. And then you go to college and you're like, this is going to be great. And then you're like, oh, crap, I brought all my baggage with me. Still the same. So, you know, you you quickly learn that you are the common denominator. And then travel becomes a lot more fun because now you're bringing, you're building onto your life. You're building your personality. You're bringing your personality to another place. But you're not expecting the place to fix you. I think a lot of people who travel, it starts off as escapism. Like I, you know, like this digital nomad community of people that travel around. There's a couple versions of those guys and gals. And some of them are the people that like back home, they're not, they're not doing anything right. and their parents are disappointed in them and their love life is a mess. <laughs> and like they're, you know, kids never see them but or whatever it is. And that'll fix everything. Right. Go to Tulum, go to Saigon it'll fi- or Ho Chi Minh City and it'll fix everything. And it's like, no. And then there's other people that have really figured it out where they're like, yes, it's me and my wife and my kid and we live in different countries and they learn different languages and they go to these international schools that are amazing. And I'm raising these little like renaissance men and women. And that's really cool. But you know what? They don't hang out together. Like the people who have their crap together and the people that don't are very (laughs) separate. They travel separately. They travel separately. (laughs) And and partial part of that is they're different ages. Like a lot of the 20 somethings are not hanging out with the 40 somethings or the 30 somethings. But there's also a reason in this because and it's the same reason that I wouldn't hang out with somebody who's constantly partying. And it's because different goals, different phase of life. And you kind of wish them well, but also they can be quite toxic to you. Sure. So you have to be really careful. And that's a, probably a good place to sort of wrap it, right? Is, is It really does matter who you surround yourself with. And now that means digitally as well. So if you're listening to like nasty, mean-spirited comedy podcasts or political blame-the-other-side podcasts, you're probably poisoning your psychology. Sure. If you're listening to growth stuff and fitness stuff and health stuff, you're you're moving forward. You're eating the you're eating mental salad, right? And getting your vegetables in. But if you are consuming junk food, like the left or the right is toxic and they should be whatever, and they're Nazis and they're communists and this and that. You know, it's like that is that good for you? Or do you just find yourself saying, Yeah, it's their fault my life is effed up? You know, like examine these, examine the process in your head. You know? Well, I appreciate this so much, Jordan. To end here, I want to give you the red carpet and just let people know if they don't already what's coming up, what where they can find you, all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah, my interviews are at the Jordan Harbinger Show. It's a podcast. You know how to get those. Hopefully, Spodcast. I said Spodcast. Spotify okay. or Apple or wherever you're listening now. And you know, I'm at Jordan Harbinger on social media, but I really only use those as inboxes. I don't post yeah. Instagram stories all the time. I post funny stuff, but that's <laughs> it. But yeah, the podcast, the Jordan harbinger show i'd love to see some new ears i would say faces but it's a podcast i would love to have two many pair new pairs of ears joining me for that as a result of this awesome thank you so much sir yeah, i man. really appreciate your time and conversation and look forward to talking to you soon man yeah you got it man what's your story is hosted produced and edited by me jd thanks to jordan harbinger for taking the time to share part of his story with us You can check out more from Jordan and his free networking course by heading to the link in our show notes. The Storyteller Project produces an audience-supported publication with this stellar podcast, stories that connect and heal us as human beings, and well-researched articles on challenging but crucial mental health topics. If you love our work, please join our community of curious minds and venture into a broader realm of human connectedness. You can do so by heading over to fragilemoments.org/story to learn more about this project. Thanks for choosing to listen, and I look forward to hearing your story one day. 
because we all have within us a story to tell, a song yet unsung. <laughs>